Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mullison Peak podcast. Today you're joined by me, Robert Templeton, the marketing assistant, and Jazz and Yvonne, who are solicitors in our family team. So welcome both. Hi. Hi. The breakdown of a relationship can be incredibly stressful and difficult for anyone to go through, especially if there are children involved. This podcast may help you understand the process a little more, but it's important to seek legal guidance to see what is best suited to you and your family. Great. So Yvonne, how do I start divorce proceedings? The process to start divorce proceedings is quite simple. You just make an application via the HMCTS portal. Um, Either the husband or the wife in the marriage can make an application, um, but it's all done online now. And to say, actually, they can actually now both apply online, can't they, together? So... Um, it doesn't have to even just be one of them they can do it together cool so I've been hearing a lot about no fault divorce what does this mean it means exactly that so in April 2022 um, there was a shift in in the divorce act um, and what we're finding is a lot of couples have had a marriage breakdown but it's amicable no one's done anything in particular whereas before they used to have to be one of the five grounds and it became contentious so the idea is that with the no-fault divorce neither party is pointing a finger at the other they're literally saying our marriage is broken down we want to separate um court we've been married over a year do do you agree this so it's it's to make it less contentious Mm. cool what are the legal implications if we separate but don't divorce it does leave things open in terms of finances um, in, in the future it, and it complicates matters in that if, you, if you've separated and you haven't divorced, you're still legally married, so uh, wills and inheritance is affected and things like that, um, but also you might be separated for 20 years, go down the line and say, actually, I do want a divorce, but how do you sort out your finances? You've been separated for so long. What you had 20 years ago, you're not going to have now. So it it's actually best if you know that you're 100% sure this marriage isn't going to work. We do want to separate. Divorce or judicial separation, if, if that's what you would prefer, mm. is probably the route that you need to go down. Great. I know you've just mentioned on that slowly, Jazz, but what am I entitled to if I divorce my partner? Is there anything else to add? Well, the starting point is generally 50-50. But that doesn't mean it's always going to be 50-50. So the court will take into account uh, pre-marital assets, post-separation assets, uh, contributions of of the party. So if one's put more in, um, you know, the wife might not have gone to work because she stayed at home to look after the kids. That still gets taken into account. Just because she hasn't contributed financially, she might have contributed in other ways. And I mean, we're a modern society. The men might have stayed at home and done the same thing. Cool. Obviously, it's different in each case, but how long does a divorce take? I would say usually the divorces take around six months to be completed. There are waiting um, points in which once a conditional order is made, there is a period that you have to wait before then applying for the final order. But all in all, we would say roughly about six to 12 months. Great. Will I have to go to court if I'm getting divorced? You will not necessarily need to go to court to effect a divorce, but where finances are involved, if it isn't something you're able to settle between the two of you, there may be a need to initiate court proceedings at that stage. However, going to court is not imperative in terms of getting a divorce. Cool. What is the online divorce process? So, as I mentioned earlier, 
the divorces have largely moved online via the HMCTS portal and so the process is done um, via that mode. Okay, do I have to have a solicitor to get divorced? Um, I'd say no, people can do it themselves. I mean the court have streamlined the process to make it more accessible to those people that don't have the funds to instruct solicitors. And, and, and I think that, that the portal is very user friendly as well so far as it is quite easy to understand and I think that takes out the need for solicitors as well. That said the portal system does have its glitches, I won't yeah. lie about that, yeah. <laughs> experience those. That's true. Um, but I'd say for finances it's always sensible to instruct a solicitor or get advice from a solicitor because that's where things often go wrong mm. um, and that is the more complicated process the divorce itself is quite straightforward but when it comes to finances you probably should get legal advice i think there's a big misconception as well that once you get divorced your finances are automatically settled and, mm. and resolved and that isn't the case and we often find that we have couples who have maybe been divorced and obtained their final order months if not years ago and then only come back after a significant period of time um, once one party has made an application to the court for financial remedy so it is very important that you do if you are unsure instruct a solicitor to assist you and give you the relevant advice that will assist you with the divorce and finances as a whole 100% I agree and what people often forget is if they remarry at any point mm -hmm. that claim to any financial settlement is affected so yeah. it's really important to do it Okay, great. So say I'm getting divorced then, would I lose my home? There is a risk. Um, every case has its own risk. It really depends on the finances of the parties. Um, I'd love to say, no, you're not going to lose your home. But sometimes if there's not enough in the matrimonial pot and the parties can't afford to you know, have two separate houses, then, then yes, yeah, sometimes the house does have to be sold. But it's not always a given. There's situations where the family home can be kept. Is the process different if I have children then? What type of court orders can be made regarding children? I think where it, children are involved, that does make a difference. Um, it gives rise to child arrangements orders. It gives rise to any orders that will affect the children so far as um, keeping the family home until the children are out of their minority. And there are ver various orders that can be made by the court to... Um, assist where the children are involved so I think that especially if they're under 18 and they are solely reliant on their parents that is taken into account um, when making a determination on the divorce and, and how finances are, are split between the parties. That said in terms of child arrangements for who they're going to be spending time with and so forth the parties are sort of expected to, to deal with that themselves yeah. unless absolutely they need court intervention mm. and the court won't get involved in that mm. but in terms of the needs of the children that will be taken into consideration yeah great i know you've just said about how children will be provided for but is there anything else you would want to add there's obviously child maintenance which is um sometimes dealt with in the matrimonial proceedings mm. Um, but sometimes parties will just go through the CMS, um, Child Maintenance Service, or they'll just come to an agreement between themselves. It doesn't have to be in the order. If it does go in an order, it's only enforceable for a year anyway, because, you know, circumstances change, people's finances change in a year. Um, so they can go back and they can, can look to vary that. But it is up to the parties how much involvement they want on the court from that. Cool. Great. I know, Yvonne, you mentioned Child Arrangement Order, but what is a Child Arrangement Order? 
So as Jazz just touched on briefly, it's a determination on who the child lives with and how often it spends time with either parent and there are various different orders that the court can make within the child arrangements um, process and ultimately the child arrangements order gives clarity to the parents as to exactly what arrangements are going to be made for the children. It doesn't necessarily just give rise in divorces, it, it, it sometimes happens between parties where they are just cohabitees or that they're not married but child arrangements is something that we are seeing more and more of um, in our day-to-day -day work. Great. What happens then if you cannot agree with who the children should live with? I would say at that stage if it's not if parties aren't able to reach an agreement between the two of them then an application can be made to the court to for the court to make that determination on parties' behalf, taking into consideration um, all aspects, including safeguarding, what's in the children's best interests. And ultimately, the court will only make an, an, an order where the children's needs are paramount. And that is the centre point and vocal point for the courts when deciding who the children should live with and who they should spend time with. I mean, if the children are old enough, they might even have a say. Yeah. Um, I think it's over 11. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that because the child said, oh, I will live with mum or I will live with mm -hmm. dad, that's definitely what the court's going to do. But they will take it into account um, as, as part of their wishes. Yeah. Okay. Dividing up financial assets then can be one of the trickiest parts of divorce. Are there any guidelines to follow? The court will look at needs of the parties and the means of the parties as a first point. And generally, like I said, the starting point is 50-50. Um, but if, for example, one person has got a lower income than the other and 50% of the assets wouldn't meet their needs, then you know there's a risk of that person getting more from the divorce. We call these Section 25 factors. So they're the things that um, the court will take into account, go through, weigh up the pros and cons, and they'll try and reach an equal settlement as much as possible but one that meets the needs and in doing that the court will try and achieve a clean break and what clean break means is that there's no ongoing financial contribution from any person to the other sometimes that can't be done um, but that is generally where the court will try and start off with okay what about my pension then pensions are included in the divorce um, it can't be excluded sometimes if you've got a, a pension that you've accrued post-separation there's an argument to say that should be ring fenced um, but generally pensions will be included particularly if one person's gone to work and the other stayed at home so doesn't have a pension you know there's an argument that should be shared what is pension offsetting so pension offsetting would be for example let's say husband's got a hundred thousand pound pension and um, wife doesn't have a pension rather than getting half of the pension instead she might take an extra 25% of the house. So you're offsetting that pension asset against a non-pension asset. Okay, last question today then. What is pension sharing? So pension sharing would be, this person's got a pension of this value. I need 20% of that pension or 25%, whatever it is. Um, and then that is transferred into the other partner's name. Great. Thank you both then for taking part in today's podcast on divorce and family law. As always, if you found this podcast episode helpful, more videos are available on our websites.